John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. We read, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. You could see that a plan was forming in the mind of Judas Iscariot. And as he began to have his own idea about what should be done with the things that this woman had, Jesus said otherwise. Mary certainly used what she had for a different purpose, and Jesus did not say anything in regard to what Jesus wanted him to do. Instead, he had a different idea on the matter. But at first, if you look closely, notice that the plan that Jesus or that Judas had was heard by several different people. First of all, you find that Martha was there. You remember Martha there in verse 2, as we're told that she indeed was the one that served him. If you remember from another occasion, according to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10, there beginning in verse 40, we find that she is a great servant. In fact, so great that she was more focused on getting things ready than listening to what Jesus had to say. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 40, we're told that Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. She could have been troubled about several things here, just as Judas was troubled about a certain thing that Mary had. Or what about Mary? Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Remember that back in John chapter 11, in verse 1, we're told that as a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, he said in verse 2 that it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Just a chapter earlier, John tells us, yes, it is the same Mary. 
the very one that is anointing Jesus' feet with the oil. We find that she was the one that was a sister to the one who had died. And yet Jesus had brought him back to life. And just as in Luke chapter 10, as Martha was concerned about serving him, Mary was one that was willing to listen to him. In verse 39 of Luke chapter 10, we find that Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And then in verse 42, as Jesus again is speaking to Martha, he says one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Imagine when Jesus teaches in response to what Judas wants to do, Mary is going to be willing to listen to what he has to say. Or what about Lazarus? After all, this is the very Lazarus that back in John chapter 11, Jesus had been raised from the dead. You can only imagine what perspective Lazarus might have, being dead and back to life, and wondering what else it is that Jesus is about to do, or consider the very disciples of Jesus. In a parallel passage to John chapter 12, Matthew's account in chapter 26, verses 6 through 13, tell us that Jesus' disciples, in a plural sense, are present. And what might they say? After all, they were with Judas Iscariot on several occasions. They knew who he was and what he was going to do, or what he wanted to do. Would they be envious of him? Would they wish that something else might take place? Or what about Judas Iscariot himself? You find here in verses 4 through 6, exactly he was the one that indeed would betray him. And he wanted to sell the fragrant oil for 300 denarii and give to the poor. We're told that in verse 6, He did not care for the poor, but because he was a thief, he after all had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Once a thief, perhaps always a thief, because we find it wasn't be very long until indeed Judas Iscariot would betray him. Yes, for thirty pieces of silver. Jesus knew it. And even though he said, one of you will betray me, according to the Gospel of John in the very next chapter, in chapter 13, when asked who it was, Judas exactly was pointed out. He had a concern for the money. But there was something else that Jesus had taught him, and no doubt taught everyone else that was there in Bethany with him. So, indeed, what exactly took place? Well, let's take a closer look at it. First of all, let's take a look from Mary's perspective. In verse 3, let's look at it again. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance 
of the oil. A pound of fragrant oil was quite a lot back then. And as everybody began to notice, why would she use something for that particular purpose? But as we've seen with Martha and Mary, understanding who Jesus is, surely there is something that could be done for Jesus. What exactly Mary had, she used. And she was able to have something that was worth a great deal. I find it interesting when you're looking at the spikener, the fragrant oil that she had. You know there is a reference back in the book of Song of Solomon to this. In chapter 1 there and in verse 12, we're told that while the king is at his table, my spikener sends forth its fragrance. And you know in many sense as we looked at not long ago, Jesus is seen as the king. He should be the king of each and every one of our lives. And she has something very good to give to him. But also notice a few chapters later in the book of Solomon. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, notice the imagery that is used here. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits. Fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. Now the reason I mention this is because we're going to come back to it in a little bit. But notice that myrrh and aloes are listed along with these fragrant things, as well as a well of living waters. I believe you'll find that there were references in the New Testament to Jesus, how he could give living water. How out of one's heart will flow rivers of living water when he listens and abides according to his will. But what about Judas? Would he be willing to listen and abide to his will? Well, Jesus responds to him in verse 7, Let her alone, for she has kept this for the day of my burial. He tells him that she had done what she could, and therefore you leave her alone. It may be true that you want to sell these things and give to the poor, but Jesus knew who Mary was. He knew what Mary was able to do, and you know he knew Judas. He knew what he wanted to do. There are several occasions throughout the New Testament that we're told that Jesus can look inside of an individual Know what he is thinking. Know what is really in his heart. And here we're told what was in the heart of Judas. He was a thief. He did not necessarily care for the poor, but he had the money box. He used to take 
everything that was put in it. Judas knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. And you recall what the Apostle Paul warned the young man Timothy about this very thing? In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and in verse 10, he said, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And concerning this very thing, there have been some that have strayed concerning the faith. No doubt Judas indeed was one that has strayed. After all, after he betrayed him, did he not go and hang himself? He punished himself for the things that he did. But what about Mary? He wanted to punish her for what she was doing and said that there is something better that could be done. But Jesus said, let her alone, for she has kept this for the day of my burial. Jesus did not condemn her. In fact, Jesus spoke good of her. And in fact, when you look at Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 26, you would find that there in verse 12, again, Jesus said that she was doing this to prepare for his burial. And then in verse 613, he added, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. On the other hand, what she did was very good. It was important. And how would everyone know about what she had done in preparation for the burial of Jesus? Well, John would tell us just a few chapters later. When you go to John chapter 19, you find that after Jesus had been crucified, after indeed he died and was getting ready to be buried, we pick up with Joseph of Arimathea. In John chapter 19, there beginning in verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission, so it came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now the place where he was crucified, there, was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Myrrh, aloes, garden. Have we heard these words before? Jesus knew what he was about to do. Perhaps there were things that his disciples did not even understand. And yet there were times that Jesus tried to give them a little bit of a clue. For when things would come to pass, then all things would be brought to their remembrance. 
their eyes would be open that they could understand the things that have taken place, the things that were taking place, and the things that would take place. Jesus perhaps summed it up there in verse 8 of John chapter 12. He said, For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. There was something that Judas wanted to do, but Jesus pointed out that he would always have an opportunity. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 15 and in verse 11, we read, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. It was a command indeed that they would help the poor. But you know, sometimes there are some commands worth keeping, and then there are others that are more important. Just as Jesus often had to teach the Pharisees. There were things that they had done, but they left other things undone. And they did not focus on that which was most important. Like Mary and Martha. One was concerned about serving, but another was concerned with that good part. There was one indeed that was willing to listen to Jesus. You see, they only had a limited time to listen to Jesus. Just a few chapters earlier in John's Gospel, there in John chapter 7, Jesus began to tell something that he had to tell them time and time again, something that they were not able to grasp at that point, but yet they would know soon after. In verse 33 of John chapter 7, Jesus said, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Or later in chapter 8 and in verse 21, again he said, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. For where I go, you cannot come. Jesus knew that it would not be very long until he would die, until he would be buried, and then the third day, according to the scriptures, he would rise again. And then he would go to his heavenly Father. The disciples would not see him upon this earth any longer. And yet, they needed to do what they could for Jesus. Even after this very conversation here in Bethany in John chapter 12, still again in chapter 13, there and in verse 33, Jesus said again, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, Where I am going, you cannot come, so now I say to you. They had a limited time to spend with Jesus. They had a limited time to know truly He is, in fact, the Christ, the Son of God. They had a limited time to listen to Him teach. And as Jesus would no longer be with them, they had a period of time to put into practice 
the things that they heard him teach. There were many individuals that heard what Judas had said. There were many individuals that knew what Jesus expected of them. What is more pleasing to Jesus? Yes, we have the poor with us always, but Jesus was not always here upon this earth. I'd like for us to look at one final example tonight in Luke chapter 7. If you would, please turn with me there. In Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36. Judas Iscariot, we don't read by name in this text, but yet we find again a man by the name of Simon. We find that just like Judas, there were things that were concerning to Simon. And you'll notice a very similar attitude of the questions that were asked or the comments that were made and still a response that Jesus gave. In Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Instead of, like Judas, focusing on the particular act, we're told that Simon focused on this individual. Does Jesus truly know who this is that is doing this to him? Jesus knew. In verse 40, Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus then said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus had a lot to say to Simon. 
there were lessons that Simon needed to learn. Remember what it was that Jesus said to Judas. There was something that Judas needed to learn. What if we were in a situation that we might have a complaint against someone or something? Would Jesus be teaching us a lesson? Would we be willing to believe what he said and do what is necessary that we might serve him first and foremost? This evening, we're about to sing a song of encouragement. And if there is one that needs to respond to the invitation, to become a child of God, to live the life that you know he has called you to live, if you need to respond in any way, won't you do so as together we stand and sing.